another episode of Unpublished. My name is Amy. I'm James. And today we're going to talk about releasing creative products. So whatever it is that you create, we're going to talk about the releasing um, process, when to release, how frequently to release, um, and talking about free products as well. And just, you know, sharing our own experience and our own journey with releasing our books and our courses. Something that's really unusual about... um independent artists is the pace that you we release at like if you had a mainstream publishing contract for example there's no way you'd release four books in a year like we did last year yeah plus a course you know like you just wouldn't do that yeah i'd never thought about that really before i remember when uh they were going to take we need your art as a book for the publishers we're going to take that book they were like oh it will be released in two years time or something and that's why you know we were super early in negotiation conversation there and you were like, eh, yeah. I'm not going to push through this any further. Instead of being able to release, yeah, as you said, like four books in one year. Mm. Yeah, so as independent artists, we have so much more freedom there as to how frequently we release, what we're releasing, how we're choosing to share our products. And I, I really just want to immediately say, though, that you do not have to be launching that frequently. No. Like, that was honestly a fairly crazy schedule. I think maybe it was good for the first year, like, you just because it's good to have a good big catalog or just have a catalog of products out simply because one it expands you know if someone likes you they can then buy multiple things yeah uh and two it makes your store look fuller and better and makes you more professional more professional yeah um not to say there's anything wrong with having one product you do very very well but maybe in the case of books, mm. you know, having a few out makes you seem a bit more established. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, um, in terms of what it is you're releasing, like having a catalog, catalog of books mm. is, um, you know, something that can look good. But having, you know, five courses out at once can be quite disorientating. Yes. So I think you know you need to really be very careful there with what the type of product it is, how much it costs, mm. and how many you have so like as you say courses you if you've got a if you've got five one thousand dollar courses yeah that doesn't probably look as good as one thousand dollar course yeah that you've taken heaps of time maybe you've launched it multiple times like maybe you've refined it a little bit maybe you've spent heaps of time cultivating reviews and making it like the centerpiece of your website Mm. that could be better than having five one thousand it probably would be better than having five one thousand courses but in our cases, like, you know, $18 books, it's very cheap in the, in the digital product world. It's okay to have multiple of those. Yeah. And like, you know, if you look um, at one of our favorite artists, Brooke Solis, she's, she has 13 books on her page. She released her Zodiac collection as a, you know, as a 12. And that's great because you, and they're all quite different products, you know, because they're one for each sign of the Zodiac. So, you know, each product has a very specific purpose there. Yeah. It doesn't seem random. It's very organized and ordered. And yeah. that's a situation where more might be better as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that we want to just have this conversation so that, you know, we need to be thinking about this. I think creators can be very focused on the art. You know, I talk about this a lot. We get so focused on what it is we're creating and then we stop thinking about, like, how we can strategically make sure that we're releasing products that resonate. We're not overwhelming the, the um, consumer and the, the one we want to connect with. Because I think there is definitely a risk of overwhelming the people we're trying to connect with by like multiple launches bam 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 it can cheapen what you're creating because we just feel like i mean to me that looks like to me first of all it looks like the things aren't working like Mm. they're failing 
and you're trying to just push out the next thing, push out the next thing, and there's nothing sacred or, or like there's no sanctity around the releases if you mm. just push, 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 push. So I think for us, we've we've come to the sweet spot of a few months in between launches that gives us time to create like a need and a want for the next thing. Um, so people are interested into what it, my next book is or what the next course is or what the next you know thing we're creating is. Um, but at the same time, that still means we can do you know up to six products in, a, in year. a year. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's about you've got to build space in between the products, and you have to have a build up period to the launch. Like yeah, people, people should know it's coming before, like well before you're launching it. Yeah, and that's a mistake we've made before as well. Yeah, we've made that mistake. We've done too short a run up, and we haven't prepared people enough for the product. Yeah, and I think that. Um, going forward what we're going to try and do is we're going to have more time showing people what the product is before we launch yeah and you know to talk about brooke again when i talk about the zodiaco collection for example that was like she spent i don't know exactly know the full process behind it but my, my understanding of it is that she spent you know months and months and months building all 12 of those products mm. and that was a it was the, the launch of the collection mm. so it is in a way one product yeah and that's very different to you know every couple of weeks i'm just going to put one out or mm. something or like releasing as you go mm. uh, whereas you it's know very if, you, intentional. if you compare our the we need your art collection for amy they were there they are one collection as well so it's a slightly different approach but it's like i'm gonna have four months between each launch there yeah and i'm gonna have announced and told told you what the next one's gonna be and mm. you're gonna know i'm writing it mm. then i launch mm. rather than oh i kind of threw this together and now it's up today yeah i mean there's so many different ways to do this yeah and like some people love to be really secretive about what they're creating and like teasing it, but like not revealing what it is. And that's really cool as well. Yes, I course. don't choose to of do course. that because I love to show process. And I think because I'm a creative coach and a book dealer and I talk to creatives, you know, a part of the joy and what I do is sharing the process. Yeah. So I love to share the process, which again is like, you know, it helps build suspense and it helps build um, an, a desire and a curiosity for what's coming next, but it's definitely not the only way that you can do it. No. And um, I mean, to, pick a ridiculous example who was it was it beyonce someone just like released was it lemonade just released like on the day or it was something yeah there was no it was a was it beyonce I, I someone i can remember a famous artist just and also like taylor swift in lockdown you know she mm. bought out folklore kind of just like that yeah you know it's a very different situation of course like very few artists are taylor swift very few artists are beyonce but that can work. It's just a yeah. matter of figuring out what's right for you. And creating the suspense and the desire. And the like. I think there was mystery behind those kind of releases. You know, what are they doing? They haven't released an album in so long. Mm. And then bam. And then it's just like, what? And it's that surprise. Like, there's so much fun. And again, I'm just going to hammer this home in every fucking podcast. I'm so boring. There is so much creativity and joy to be had in this kind of process. After the creation process is done, there is so much fun to be had in terms of how you want to present it to the world. Definitely. And also, I just want to say often it's to do with, it comes up as posture. You know, as you were saying, mm. are you posturing yourself like, wow, I'm relaunching yeah. everything? Like, or are you posturing yourself like, here, I've spent time, I've thought about it. This is something I really want to put out into the world. Have it. It's really good. Enjoy. Mm. Or are you. Yeah, like, the manic release. How, how are your launches looking to your customers? Yeah, just having that this perspective, just putting yourself in their shoes. What does this look like? Mm. Does it look intentional? Does it look like I respect my work? 
Does it look like I know what I'm talking about? Does it look like I'm excited about this? Um, I work obviously with a lot of creators and I work through it with them through a lot of launches. And, and one of the mistakes that I see is the haphazard launch, the I don't back myself. I'm kind of apologetic for what I'm doing. I'm just going to put it up on a, you know, on Etsy or on, you know, wherever it is you choose to platform it. And it's kind of like an apologetic launch. And then the absolute catastrophe of it not landing destroys these creators. Their ego is hit and they don't push it anymore because they feel like it's been a failure. They feel like it's been um, an embarrassment and the launch process really impacts them and stops them from creating further like i see that in creators um on instagram a lot yeah because post launch is as or more important than pre-launch and launch yeah i mean post launch you can get i mean you might get a cluster of sales around launch but the tail you know the longer you can push the tail out the better and ideally you're still selling product continuously for the rest of the lifetime of the product yeah and of course with our products we get a massive influx of sales on first second third day usually um and then it peters out it peters out but keeping the momentum going a bit mm. just a bit even speaking just, about it yeah. and yeah i think this is a really important thing to talk about mm. um we just have too much emphasis on launch day as a make or break i think it might be something to do with instagram and the social media world and we think it needs to be a you know a hit now or it's not a hit at all like let's make these perennial sellers let's invest in these products being long lasting if we want them to you know to win on day one what kind of product have we made is it only for that first day is it only that quick hit or is it something that you can continue to back it continue to invest do you want to be selling this product this book this piece of art this course for you know years because you have that much belief in it mm. like i want to create books you know for the burnt out artists for you know the perfectionist for the procrastinator like these are books that i want to be selling 10 years down the line because the work that i did in them i believe in and i know that it can help people um so you know this has nothing to do with launch day launch day is a blip really it's i mean it's important that we get through it it's important that i share it but we need to be looking at this tale and we need to be investing in these pieces of creations because i think we're going for like a fast food kind of mm. approach to creation at the moment because of what we see online because it's like oh they're releasing they're releasing they're releasing but are they releasing something that is full and whole and truly going to serve something and do they want to back it for longer than the fucking week they launch on too many creators fucking bail after the launch mm. it failed i didn't work i give up like do you like what is happening there what narratives are you telling yourself and i think what you've got to be asking yourself is am i setting myself up for the next launch as well so i want to give you an example here so amy um you launched your write your damn novel course mm. to how many five to ten sales yeah. total yeah that was in 2018 maybe five sales maybe, maybe five yeah. sales so and that's you just and, I, and we didn't i don't think we were, that was the first thing we launched basically you'd had mm. your you had your coaching at that stage we hadn't yeah. launched a digital product yet um and i would say you saw that as a failure yeah and it made you turned you off courses it for did another two years and but like let's think about it and let's think about what do we do wrong and what could have we done better and what do we do now that's different yeah and i think a few things stand out i don't think we really talked about it that much before the launch i think you're a bit ashamed of it i i I apologetically showed up for it i didn't believe in it i didn't back it Mm, you weren't um talking about it while you were making it you weren't you didn't believe in the product for, for starters um and then after it launched you didn't talk about it again no so it was basically a- you gave yourself 12 hours to sell a product yes. and then you were like it was a failure yeah you didn't make a course for two years yes 
I mean, it's classic, like it's classic example of what I see now in other creators. Like I apologetically showed up. Like I was so embarrassed about what I did. I have no idea why. I think it was just so out of my comfort zone. And it was zone. good. Like you did, yeah. you, you had it preferably shot by a wonderful friend, Mackie, you know, yeah. who did the Creative Living YouTube series with you. Yeah. She's fantastic. And it looked really good, but yeah. you're still ashamed of it for some reason. It was so out of my comfort zone. I wasn't backing myself. It felt really bold to me because I'd never done anything like that before, which is so often what so many creatives go through. But I had to back myself more. I refused to speak about it. I felt like that kind of like hiding away shame that, you know, so I still feel that I just choose to step up and over it rather than letting it consume me. Um, But I let it consume me in that thing. Mm. I mean, and the other thing is that everything that happened between that and let's say let's talk about a successful course the successful course we've launched now which is the journaling course mm. which has gone through two full iterations so yeah. we have if you don't remember we've completely reshot the journaling course um and i'm going to get that back into that in a second hopefully you can remind me of that mm. but just thinking about what happened between the 2018 course and the launch of the journaling course in 2020 was your change in posture exactly and your change in your belief as a creative coach mm. and the free shit you did between those two things. Yeah. All of the free shit, all the podcasts, all the posts, all the IGTVs, um, the sharing of your creative coaching journey, the work as a creative coach, which gave you more authority to talk mm. about creativity. Like how much more authoritative did you feel after working with dozens of creatives mm. one-on-one for two years? Like yeah. how much more knowledge did you feel like you could bring to a course? I don't know if the quality would would have been better if you'd made the Write Your Dead Novel course in 2020, but certainly the confidence behind it would have been bigger with yes. all that preparation behind it. Yes. It's like you did a two-year intensive degree yeah. in coaching creatives. Yeah. Then when the journaling course came out, I feel like you felt proud of it. Yes. Even I though was the production able... quality wasn't even as high. No, the production quality was much less. It's much higher now because we've reshot it. But when yeah. you first did it, you did that by yourself on a borrowed camera. Yeah. And you were confident in it. Yeah. Even though, the, even though it That's was all just, ad hoc. It's all posture, baby. That was mm. all posture. And like in when I filmed the Write Your Down Novel course, my posture when I shot it was, you know, I knew what I was talking about and I believed in it. But afterwards, I just got this huge vulnerability hangover. I felt so authoritative and I was like, who told me I could do this shit? And so I, it was such an apologetic way of showing up. And, you know, the difference in how they went is, you know, I think you could give so much credit to the way that I postured myself and the belief that I had in myself. And it was just, yeah, a huge, huge shift in the way that I dealt with it. Yep. And now seeing how you're preparing for the We Need Your Art course, Mm. which we're waiting to get back from our editor at the moment, which is coming very soon. And just seeing, one, we shared the filming of behind the scenes. Two, you'll talk about it a lot more often. Three, just like your posture when you're film when you're shooting the course is much more confident. Yeah. Um, we're going all in on advertising for the course that we've shot an ad for it. Like we're just committed we to backed the course. It. We backed it a lot yeah. more. And obviously that comes with um experience. Experience and money. Yeah. And our decision to invest money that we've made from the other course and the other books back into the business. Mm. But it still is a very different attitude to we're going to do this on a shoestring. Yeah. We're not going to be confident about it. And then eventually, you know, our decision to do that course on a shoestring, not that we didn't not that we didn't go with someone that we really wanted to work with. It's just that outside of paying for the filming and the editing, we didn't really put any other effort and resources into yeah. it. Which showed our lack of commitment to it. Yeah. And then we ended up losing money on it. Yeah. We lost so much money on it. Because we... Lost money on the shooting, the editing, and the hosting of the course. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to talk about, unless you have something to keep going on. Nope. I want to talk about free products, and then I want to talk about the journaling course thing that you were asked me to remind you about. Mm-hmm. Which one do you want to do first? Free products? Yeah. 
I think as James just quickly touched upon, free products are just has been such an important part of our journey and just showing up vulnerably and honestly and sharing my art and who I am. Um, you know, I've been doing this for, I've been sharing this process for seven or eight years now, um, has been such an integral bedrock of being able now to function as a business. And I think it has been some of them and it also has given me so much like mm. the connection i've been able to make and i've been able to learn and from so many other creators because of the free stuff that i've been giving out um and this is obviously a really big conversation we can't be giving away everything for free we have to be valuing you know our own art but for me the importance of sharing free products has been really big in my own personal journey i think this was sparked for us a bit didn't someone ask you a yeah. question about they said i'm afraid of giving away my best work and yes. not being able to think of great work to sell then yeah so someone in the inspired collective my membership program asked the question i'm so afraid of sharing my best work on instagram um of sharing my best work on social media so you know to connect with people and catch people's attention because what if i can't make you know then what do i ask money for you know this is my best work Mm. which i thought was a really interesting piece of resistance to get into definitely i mean gary v says he gives away all his best work for free and he gives away his media... Well, he gives away 10% of the rest paid, mm. which I think is probably not... I don't think there's anything magical about that ratio, but it does speak to the idea that I feel like we have this philosophy is that the majority of the stuff you're doing is free. Mm. And you've got to have confidence that, one, when you're giving away free, free stuff, you're building the muscle yeah. to produce more that you can sell. So the more work you do for free, the more the better you'll be at your job, the better you'll be at creating... And the more stuff you'll be, the more output you'll be able to have. Yeah, 100%. And then two, you've got to be trusting that all that free work will lead to sales. Yes. This is a big trust process and it takes a lot of bravery and courage to be sharing, you know, stuff that is precious to you. But I, I believe that I think it's a really important and generous thing to do. And I, I just want to preface all of this conversation by saying and reminding us all that we deserve to be paid. You deserve to be paid. Creators deserve to be paid. I'm not here to you know, spruik the free internship kind of bullshit. Like you deserve money, mm. but I and but I think that money comes with being generous and giving free content and letting people know you and know your art for free initially, and not just initially throughout the whole creative process, even when you're really successful. As, know, just as Gary Vee says, the amount of messages and emails we get saying, "I just want to reward Amy for the free stuff that she's giving out," mm. and. I want to buy her books because I, 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 almost in gratitude for the free content she's given out on Instagram. Yeah, for as a, as a method of support, almost like a Patreon. Like you know, yeah. I just want to support you because I'm so thankful for the free content that you've been given. And obviously, we hope that they then read the book or watch, yeah, watch yeah. the course and they enjoy it. But it's very much, it's still like that. That is still like even if they never do, it's like well, yes, well, we have given you a product. Yeah, and it's great that you're yeah. giving us a monetary Creates return for it. Create that loyalty and that. And just like people know me because I've chosen to share for free. And I want to think about the structure of the stuff we, we share for free. Like the longest stuff is what we ask people to pay for. Yeah. So the um, so Instagram posts, very short. Mm. Even podcasts, very short. And then a course will go for several hours, yeah. say. And a book will also be, you know, hundred maybe dozens or hundreds of times longer than an Instagram post. Yeah. So... Essentially what we're doing is we're giving out bite-sized chunks which are easy to create in modules or easy to create ad hoc and put them out quickly. Yeah. That's very... So they're the things we choose to give up for free. We're not saying make a whole course, put thousands of dollars into it and put it out for free. We're saying what can you create kind of cheaply and quickly but it's still good and high quality and give it out for free. So Mm. like an Instagram post isn't as... People don't expect it to be as polished as a book, for example. 
Yeah. And a um, podcast doesn't have to be polished as a anywhere near as polished as a course. People will forgive me going um 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 yeah, um yeah. right now in a podcast, and people will forgive Amy breathing really loudly right now, and it's annoying me. People will be able to forgive, like me saying like just then, mm. or people will be able to forgive a typo. I mean, people forgive typos in the books as well, but, you know, um, there's not as much pressure on the free stuff, but the content can still be really great. Yeah, and the, the ideas can, can still be really great. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think uh, in terms of visual artists, I'm working with a few visual artists at the moment in terms of how that can look for them because obviously the format changes a little bit. Mm. Um, uh, let's look at Alexis Raken, who is a beautiful friend of mine. I'm going to have her on the podcast soon again. And then she shares all her art. Yep. All of her best art she shares on Instagram for free. We consume her visual art for free. We can then buy it for ourselves, you know, and I have multiple pieces of her art on my wall. But for visual artists, you know, just because you post you know, something that, you know, we want to pay for, like it doesn't detract from it. In fact, it lures me in. Like I want to see the art on your Instagram page so I can go to your Etsy and buy a fucking print of it. Um, it doesn't detract worth. No. I and mean, sure, like you could probably find some kind of way to like enlarge and screenshot it and then have it. But like majority, no, 99% yeah. of people aren't douches. Like if, if 1% of them are douches, forget about let, them. Let them. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. But people, I think, are often so afraid of their work getting stolen. And we get artists messaging us saying, what do I do? You know, a high street brand has stolen my artwork. I'm like, well, did you monetize it already? Or did you? was it just sitting mm. there? It's like, you know what, if you'd monetized it already, one, I bet you they would have been way more scared to steal your work. Because mm. it would have been like much more, of a, probably there'd probably been more of a legal basis for you to challenge them. Yeah. And two, like, you're already making money out of it. So it's just more exposure for your great... Yeah. artwork like why aren't you sell why aren't you selling why are you why are you letting a high street artist take the initiative or a high street brand take the initiative away from you mm. i mean let's it's fucked it's fucked it's super fucked of course but it's like have was it up for sale on your own store yeah totally and really good point mm. but it, it's really fucked and obviously like i'm not excusing just, the behavior no, it's of fucked. the high street brands yeah. that would do that obviously super scummy yeah. but i'm just saying are you are, are you, you using your images to create wealth for yourself? Because someone else is doing it, so obviously yeah, it can work. It can work, yeah. Don't let that, you know, all, if you retreat and you then decide not to sell, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Oh, and you're doing the world a disservice. Or if you never sell, then, you know, just know that you're, you're, you're a sitting duck and you're letting yourself be vulnerable there. Yeah, super hard. Mm. This is such a big conversation. Isn't that how Alexis got started as well? Didn't someone steal her work and then she went, fuck it? Yeah, so that does ring a very big bell. Yeah. Yeah, she was like, if someone can steal my work, I can fucking do it myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, let's talk about the journaling course that you asked me to remind you about. What was it? I have no idea. Fuck, James, we should have written it down. I think I talked about it already. Okay, what about, was it about the rebrand? Maybe. How we redid it? We reshot it? Well, I mean, that's interesting to talk about. Because yeah. I think there's, the thing is that you can launch multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's like, closing the doors to a course and then reopening them. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, there are several reasons you might want to do that. One is building a cohort environment yeah. where people are going through it at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, two, it's making it more manageable for you. So you're only answering and you can, you can devote more time to each person in the course yeah. because, or in the program, because you're not dealing with people at different stages. You're dealing with people at the same stage yeah. and you're dealing with 
you know, support in a cluster, etc. Et That's what we've done for the Inspire Collective. So we, mm. we initially, my membership had an open enrollment so you can enroll whenever you wanted. We chose to shut the doors of the enrollment, of the um, membership last month, just so that I could concentrate on the cohort that I had and, and just, you know, know the names and know, you know, who I was getting to, you know, spend time with yeah and then obviously on a from a commercial basis it creates urgency yes and you want to be creating urgency in your customers constantly yeah so it's we have some products that have urgency and some products that don't the most most obvious example is the collective yeah other products don't have so much urgency so we create urgency around launches Mm. but then you can do things like sales you can do things like making focusing it in your email list blasts like focusing it on reviews of it in your stories yeah um there are lots of things you can do to create urgency, but that's the thing. That's just what we're saying. Pay attention to the product after the launch. Yes. Oh my God. Pay attention to the product after the launch. Like it just kills me watching these creatives just give up on the art because the launch didn't go well. Mm. It just, it actually kills me. And I'm not joking. Like I see it. Like I get a message from an artist telling me their launch failed. So they gave up like, you know, multiple times a week. I literally got one yesterday and I was like, Oh, like, please like this is a long game zoom out this is not an easy process but you've got to you know you've got to adapt you've got to you know you've got to figure out what's working and you've got to fail and the price of failure isn't as high as you think you know when we when i shot the journaling course i shot it on a fucking borrowed camera and i just sat in front of it and it wasn't resonating and it didn't have that professionalism and though my posture was good the posture of the quality wasn't that as good and so we reshot it and we re-released it like the fail the price of failure doesn't have to be so high there is such a big creative process here in terms of how you share your art mm. And it was a bit of an annoying... I mean, like, it was difficult for us to then transition people away from, over from the old course. To the yeah, new it was course. annoying. It required a big time investment. I'm not saying it's definitely the best thing to do. Yeah. But you can do but it. you it's can, yeah. That was a pivot. Mm. Um, I also wanted to talk about how uh, going forward, I've been trying to get on podcasts, not just my own podcast, but other people's podcasts to talk about my books. So I'm going on a podcast next week to talk about the burnt out artist. I was on Erica's podcast talking about the burnt out artist. And this requires a lot of vulnerability from me. It requires me to go up and be like, I really want to talk about rest and hustle culture with you because, and I always make sure I establish the relationship and I know that they know that I respect them and I follow their work. I'm really careful about that. So, you know, with Erica, I've built a relationship with her over time. And I'm like, I really would love to come on and talk with you about rest. I know you work with these people and I really feel like this could be of service to them. Erica, who's a fucking angel, was like, of course. And, you know, that was a really great way to leverage products. And for me, as I go forward, something that's challenging for me as a highly introverted person is to reach out and to ask for other people's platforms to elevate my own work. And, you know, there's a definitely an art to this. It is not easy and I'm not about the spam, you know, and I get a lot of people who I've never heard from before. I'm pretty sure they don't even follow me, you know, or only just followed me being like, can I come on my podcast to talk about my book? And I'm like, you didn't do the work. It's not going to resonate with me unless, you know, I've connected with you over a long time, blah, blah, blah. Like there's an art to this. But for me going forwards, this is something I really want to work on is elevating my own products by making other connections with people who are interested in what I do. Yeah. That's a big one for me at the moment. So hard for introverts. But it's very difficult for introverts. And it's difficult for you if you feel like the social interaction side of things doesn't come naturally to you. It can be really, be really challenging. I guess my advice here again would be just to make sure you're building these relationships over time. The spammy emails 
don't tend to resonate with basically anyone. Mm. Um, and something else I would say is don't feel like you need to go for the massive podcasts. You know, I don't need to go on fucking Tim Ferriss's podcast right now. Um, you know, I can connect with creators who, you know, are reaching a hundred people, you know, like there are a hundred precious people. Um, let's connect with them. Mm. Like we don't need to be, I mean, like, please, by all means go big. And I have big dreams too. And one day, you know, obviously I want to speak to like Russell Brand and I want to speak to Tim Ferriss because I love these fucking podcasters. They're really cool people. But like, that's not for now. That's not for my book now. It's not for my course right now. Like who, who can I connect with right now at the level that I'm at and who will resonate with my work and who's there to support me? And you know what makes that easier? The fact that you have a podcast yourself. Like you can, I'm saying, you know, this is why we're, part of the reason we're so big on starting a podcast yeah. is if you can handle 60 episodes of your own podcast, you can handle one episode of anyone's podcast yeah. like you can go on there and you'll have one episode's worth of stuff to say and you won't feel lost like just thinking about how confident you are now going on anyone's podcast and how it's easy for you that you get the medium yes right? yeah i'm not saying our podcast is the perfect podcast but we we are comfortable with that mic in front of us now it's like yes practice man cool like there's a mic in front of us i'm just chatting to someone let's go but like thinking back to the first podcast it would have been mm. way it was way harder and like how much less ready you were to go on a podcast yeah this is a big game. I think something we haven't really talked about, which I'd love to just touch on, is like we're allowed to be getting better and we're allowed to be doing the learning process and we're allowed to be on the journey of of improving and still be doing the work and mm. still be connecting. Like, you know, we're allowed to not be that great at speaking on podcasts at some point, you know? We're going to do our best. We're going to connect in the way that we can. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. I think, you know, like just as we were saying, my posturing wasn't great when we wrote the We Need Your Damn Novel course. Mm. Like my posturing wasn't great, but that didn't stop me from doing it. And yeah, mm. it was in, it was a failure, but it, the cost of the failure wasn't high. And, and I was allowed to be like doing a learning experience there. And I, you know, it was a good thing for me to be doing. Yeah. And we can't regret the money we spent on it because it was a learning experience. Too. Yeah. It's like, do you want to spend two grand making a, going to a, you know, a media communications degree and learning how to make a course? Or do you want to just fucking do it? Yeah. And also just because you're new at something or you're not experienced at something doesn't mean you're going to fail. Like I did fail with that course, but I did a lot of other things for but you and it didn't fail. the course itself was good course. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it literally was just the things surrounding the course. Yeah. So we always say it's and like maybe your art didn't fail. Maybe the things supporting and surrounding yes, the art failed. Yes, And also, you know, I just was thinking about this just to maybe finish up a bit, but like I want, I don't want to see you selling to me every day. Ah. Do you agree? Yeah. I want to see like a I want 10 to, to see, 1 ratio. I want to see you. Yeah. And I want to be attracted to you and your art. And, you know, that doesn't mean not sharing your art. Share your art. But do I want to see, you know, like the push every day? Mm, I no. see. Think about, go, think about Amy's Instagram. Um, think about the Instagrams that you like and that you've bought products from lately. How often did they directly pitch the product to you? Mm. Probably not that often. Yeah. Um, and they are doing it. Don't get us fucking yeah, wrong. Yeah. Like they are, they are articulating what it is they're doing. But I think more often than not, they're posturing themselves as someone you want to connect with. But like, think about what Amy's doing to you every day. She's giving you an example of her writing or her speaking, and she's letting you find the work. Basically, she's like. You know, the bio is right there. You know, the information is right there in the bio for anyone curious. They're going to go and look for it. Mm. Or maybe they're going to see one of Amy's ads. Yeah. And like, Hang on, I just got, I just read a really cool thing from that girl. And, and I'm going to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll check that out and I'll go look into it. Yeah. It's essentially advertising. It is. It is advertising. But it's not that we conceptualize of it in that way when you're doing it. But no. it is a secondary benefit of it. Is well, when you share your art, you are marketing. Mm. 
and you almost don't you don't always need to be putting the follow-up the call to action afterwards sharing your art is marketing and it doesn't feel pushy it feels generous mm. yeah so i think that just a call to sharing your art in a generous way is so such a big part of this yeah definitely yeah i really had something else to say but it's gone and i feel like we're wrapping up and i'm not gonna have time we don't have to wrap up it's okay i'm sure we could push it on to the next podcast yeah no this is the last one ever oh yeah. Thanks, guys. I'm quitting. James. I'm joking. I'm really hot right now in this jumper. All right. It's kind time. of keen to be done just from the heat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today, guys. We are so grateful that we get to chat and we get to connect with you all. If you have the time and you feel so inclined, we would love a review. It really does do wonders for us. You know what I realized the other day is that we only can, we can only see the reviews in the app store from the Australian people. So I went online, I went onto our actual iTunes account the other day and I saw all the amazing reviews from places that aren't Australia and it was so cool. Love that. Like I was like, well, you know, we had like 30 reviews in Australia or something. I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I thought that was all our reviews internationally. Then I went on and I saw like over a hundred reviews and I was like, wow, this is really fucking cool. Thanks guys. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. Shout out to to America and the UK. Yeah. Coming through for us. Yeah. Love it. We'll see you next week, guys. Thanks, guys.